What's good, everyone? Welcome to Geeks Who Watch Football. I am your host, Jeff Jackson. It will be officially when this episode launches October 18th on a Monday. I'm recording this Sunday night on the 17th after a disheartening loss by my Miami Dolphins to the 0-4, now one, or 0-5, now 1-5 Jacksonville Jaguars. I wanted to do this segment first before I get into all the details. Just a reminder, thanks to everyone for listening. This is Geeks Who Watch Football. We upload two episodes a week, one covering football, one covering video games. I post it on our Facebook page at Geeks Who Watch Football. In addition, I also put it on Twitter at my uh, my handle is at MadTitan1018. You can also find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts or audio episodes. I wanted to do this episode first because I'm going to probably I'm going to see if I can get Paul in because the Bills play Monday night on Tennessee. And I wanted to get my thoughts out here on the Miami Dolphins before shit goes down because I have a feeling we are going to see a Black Monday come. So I wanted to get this thoughts in by myself and then add in Paul's segment if uh, if necessary later on. But just in case Paul's busy because I know he has family visiting him right now. In case he gets busy or is occupied, I wanted to get my thoughts in for this week's episode. I purposely took a step back last week and didn't air an episode. I know there was the big news of John Gruden being fired and everything, but a lot of you where you get your opinions, you already had an opinion formulated from John Gruden. Um, so I didn't want to do a whole episode covering that because most people you know, were shocked. Some weren't. I, you have enough to form your own opinions by that. And I didn't want to, you know, throw coals on that fire. I mean, at one point, maybe I can circle back to it, but most of you already have other people you go to. And I was going to do a segment on if the dolphins lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I didn't want to do it because I was like, "Eh, if they actually lose to it, I'm just going to do an episode repeating what was just said. So I didn't want to do that. And if they won, you would have just flushed that episode down the toilet because it would have been, okay, it's irrelevant. They beat Jacksonville. They're not going to lose to Jacksonville, Jeff. Come on. Oh, wait, they just did. Miami, and we can get into the other AFC East teams as well. I know people will say, well, they've had a disappointing year. Disappointing is putting it mildly. Expectations have arrived for the Dolphins, and they are choking it away. The season's over. Uh, I believe it's already over for the Jets and Patriots as well. I think the Patriots were currently, as I'm recording this, losing to the Cowboys. But the Patriots get wiggle room because, yes, they spent $200 million in free agency, but they do have a rookie quarterback. And Bill Belichick's been given a long leash because he's won six Super Bowls. Miami has yet to make the playoffs under this regime. Yes, Tom Brady, I did an episode of, uh, about two weeks ago. I believe Brady was more to do with it than Belichick. But still, you give a coach like that more than a year of wiggle room. They've earned that right. In addition, they have replacements in house. Should Bill Belichick choose to move on or Robert Kraft be sick of them, they could promote offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels if need be in a pinch. The New York Jets are in year one of their rebuild. Yeah, I don't think they should have taken a quarterback that early or at least start him out in the fire. Neither does Matt Sleazer, uh, one of the friends who comes on the podcast recently. He wanted a veteran quarterback in there to take the pounding. You know, kind of like what Miami did with Fitzpatrick and Buffalo plan to do with Nate Peterman. But the Jets are in year one of their rebuild, and they got hit with the injury bug. Mekki Becton went down. Um, their defensive end there, Carl Lawson, was down for the year. They've been ridden with injuries. And, yeah, they still stink, but it's first-year coach for Robert Sala. They're going to give him another year. Even if they win two games and they go 2-15, and 15, they're going to give Sala another year. 
Joe Douglas might be on the hot seat the following year. Next year will be the winner else maybe for them, but they're going to get another year. The Miami Dolphins just lost to a team that went 0-20. Lost their 20 previous games. They hadn't kicked a field goal all season. And not only do you lose to this team, you also lose to them kicking a game-winning field goal. Like, you can't make this up. <laughs> like, it's atrociously bad. Tua had a nice game. He made three crucial mistakes, one of which was the pick, which was bad. People asked me, they were texting me what happened on that pick. He was trying to weave it in between the um, corner and the safety. He didn't put his enough arm strength into there, and the corner picked it off. So when you're looking at it from the film, when you watch the L22, you'll see it, and they'll release that tomorrow. I'm sure you'll see it. He was trying to air it over. He should have put more air on that ball. But long story short, he didn't have the arm strength to make that throw. And given that he just came back from cracked ribs, he should not have tried to make that throw. Justin Herbert can make that throw. Uh, Patrick Mahomes can make that throw. If you have a top five arm, Josh Allen can make that throw. Go for it. But when you're ready, kind of arm strength isn't your forte and you have injured ribs on your throwing arm side, that's not a throw you can make. Tua had time to plant and throw on that pass. That was an ill-advised throw. Now, he did redeem it with a touchdown drive, a 90-yard play score the following time he got the ball, but it's his other crucial mistake was he missed a wide-open uh, Kirk Merritt in the middle of the field. He tried to throw a 30-yard pass to uh, – his uh, receiver, Jalen Waddle, who was double covered. Meanwhile, Kirk Merritt was running naked in the middle of the field. Only the ref was near him. He missed it. It happens, but that is an error. And the other play where he could have picked up a first down by scrambling and then choosing and made a bad throw. It was incomplete, but at least, you know, he should have just ran it for the first down. He commented that after the game saying everybody in the stadium knew he should have ran that one. But Tua wasn't the reason they lost this game still, though. Now, was he a franchise quarterback? That question wasn't answered, but he definitely wasn't the reason they lost this game. Bad coaching lost in this game. You got outcoached by Urban Meyer. And it's incredibly frustrating to see this. You gave them a timeout at the end. You had two stupid challenges, which you knew weren't going to get overturned. There wasn't conclusive enough evidence, even though some of it was close, like the the ball, uh, the play where the ball bounced off might have grazed his finger. I had Matt text me during the games, like, do you think it hit his finger? And I'm like, yes, but... I don't think it's conclusive enough to overturn it. And he said he agreed. It's like, yeah, but you don't throw the challenge there because it's not conclusive enough to overturn it. When in doubt. In addition, they call a timeout to where at the end of the game, which then Urban Meyer decided with six seconds left to throw a slant in the middle of the field and make it a 53-yard field goal, which the kicker nailed and won the game. Two errors on that play. One, Urban Meyer admitted he was just going to try a Hail Mary because it was too long for a field goal. At that point, it was like a 63-yarder, I think, because they picked up 11 yards on the slant. So it was a 64-yarder. They gained 11 on the slant. And two, the mistake was the Dolphins defender, Brandon Jones, touched him, ruling the play down, enabling them to take the timeout. Had you not touched him, the clock would have run out and you would have went to overtime. So when he caught that slant in the middle of the field, you should have just laid, left him there, waited, because you could see the clock up on the wall. If he tries to get up, then you just push him down and tackle him. That would have taken an extra second for him to get up, and the game's over. They can't call timeout while the play's still moving either. Just stupid, stupid mistakes. And the play call beforehand with Brian Flores was absolutely atrocious. Your quarterback, Mike Gusecki, and Jalen Waddle were having the best games of the year, and you took the ball out of all three of their hands. You choose to call three out of five plays running plays up the middle, and you don't have a good running back. You don't, you're not a running team. That's not your personnel. And they weren't the hot hand. 
on fourth and one, you go for it on your own side of the field instead of punting it. You could have punted it and made them go 70 yards to kick the game-winning field goal with under two minutes left. Or you could have had your quarterback keep it, do a quarterback sneak with Jacoby Brissett. That would have been more of a better plan. Or you could have given the ball to Tua Tungavailoa and had him, asked him to make a play. And if you get beat, you get beat there. You don't give the ball to Malcolm Brown, a.k.a. Jordan Howard 2.0, a.k.a. one yard per carry on a fourth and one and a half. And guess what? You get stuffed. Big surprise. Unbelievable with this team. It shows they don't trust their quarterback. They don't trust their quarterback. This was an abysmal loss. Kudos to Jacksonville, by the way. Like I said, congrats on the first win for Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer's brain was not in football. He was coming off his own distraction. You're on a neutral site. This was a chance for Miami to get back on track. This was not a good football team. And like I said, congrats to Jacksonville. I know they have to beat somebody. But for a Dolphins team, this has ended your season. You are not winning 12 games in a row, with one of them being at Buffalo and another one being Baltimore. You're not beating either of those teams. You haven't beaten either of those teams in over a decade. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So 12-5 and five isn't happening, folks. Realistically, you're looking at a 3-6 to six win season. You've only won one game and you're on a four-game slide. And I'm doing this because people who listen to the show probably want to hear me talk about the Dolphins because that is my background on my team. Like I said, I will be covering other teams. I did go briefly into the other AFC East teams. The Bills will cover. I think they're on the inside track to be the number one seed in AFC. Kudos to them. I'm going to give them a lot of props because they're an example of how to build a team right. But I'm focusing right now on the Dolphins just to get this out of the way because Monday I think some shit's going to go down. So I wanted to get this podcast out Monday morning when you're like driving the work or whatever, just to hear my initial thoughts and to see if my predictions come true. So change is going to happen. Change needs to happen for the Miami Dolphins. And I keep checking Twitter and looking down to see. I don't think we'll see anything right now, but I think we are going to see, you know, some changes come Monday, if not Tuesday, depending on how long the flight is. And I just saw Jack Dallas and New England are tied. Oh, my God. But anyway, I think changes are going to come. And there's two segments to this. I think what will happen and what I would do. We'll start with what I think is going to happen. I don't think you're going to see either the coach or GM lose their job. And the reason is, one, Stephen Ross is notoriously patient which is a good thing, but also a bad thing. He's known for holding on to coaches to a year too long versus a year too soon. Look back to Joe Philbin, held on to him way too long. Adam Gase, too long. Tony Sperano. I liked Tony Sperano, but it was clear he was trying to court Jim Harbaugh. He should have just fired Tony Sperano the year before and gone after Jim Harbaugh full court press, but he didn't. Anyway, getting back to it, I don't think he's going to fire the coach or the GM. There's nobody on staff besides Brian Flores that's senior enough to be a head coach. They're all basically interim level positions. Nobody's ready to jump into that role. Nobody's experienced. There's no Chan Gailey on your team like last year. There's no experienced coordinator like uh, like when the Jets had a Greg Williams. Like There's no experienced person on your team to take over midway through the season if need be. So like it or not, they're going to ride with both of them for the rest of the year. Now, do they survive the season in terms of next year? That remains to be said. I think Chris Greer is gone, but we'll get into that. I think as of right now, this week, they are going to fire one of the offensive coordinators. 
whatever the 20 of them are. Officially, there's two co-offensive coordinators, Eric Studsville and George Godsey, with quarterback coach um, Charlie Fry calling or relaying the plays or whatever the hell it is. I think one of them gets whacked. I don't know which one specifically because I don't know which one's even calling the plays. <laughs> Only Brian, this is like the big Houdini mystery of every week. Supposedly there's somebody else like, oh, one week at Studsville. Oh, it's been Charlie Fry for the first two weeks. Oh, they got rid of Fry to call play calling. It's really Godsey now. It's way too confusing and cumbersome. They're going to whack one of them. Um, I don't know which one. Cause like I said, I don't even know which one's calling the plays, but I think one of them gets whacked this week. If I had to put money on it, like betting odds, I would say if I had a guess, it's George Gotzi that gets fired. Just because Charlie Fry will just, they'll just relegate and demote to quarterback coach, and that's all he'll do. He won't have any input on the plays or whatever. He'll just be the quarterback coach. And if you get rid of him, then you have to relegate one of the other two to do it. And Studsville is more of the running back coach plays, but their running game, they haven't even been calling design runs. So if I had a guess, all the play calling has been coming from Gotzi, and he's the one that's had those horrific calls at the end of the game. So I think if I had to put money on it, Godsey's the one that gets fired. I already said no changes in the front office in terms of GM and scouts yet. I think defensively, I don't think Josh Boyer gets fired, but I think he gets demoted to just schematics. I think Brian Flores takes over play calling for the defensive side of the ball. And that's it. I know people are going to be frustrated and say, that's all you get for losing to an 0-5 Jacksonville team. I would do more, and I'm going to get into that, what I would do. But yeah, that's my official prediction. I think they're going to get rid of one of the three offensive coordinators they have, and I think they're going to demote the defensive coordinator, and Flores is going to take over play calling. That might not even be an official announcement, but next Sunday's game against Atlanta, you might see Brian Flores with a headset on talking and calling him plays. And also, I think the last bit of it is you are going to see the Deshaun Watson rumors flare up again. I think Miami is going to try to make a trade for him. I'm not saying I would do it, but I think they're going to try to get the deal done this week. If it doesn't happen this week, it's not happening at all. And I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just telling you what it is. Miami is going to get desperate, I think, and make him. I don't, I'm not saying it's going to happen because the Texans, it's up to the Texans and it's up to the NFL. The NFL could say, yeah, no, he's going to be suspended as soon as you make him active. And so a trade won't happen. But I think the Dolphins are going to push it. So look for more rumored stories to come out on Monday and Tuesday, especially Tuesday. That's the sweet spot of I think you're going to hear a lot of rumblings Tuesday. So now what would I do if I'm the Miami Dolphins? If I'm Stephen Ross, the owner, one, I'm very pissed and I'm drunk in an Irish pub already. But when I get off my bender and, you know, chugging my Guinness and doing a Das Boot and on the flight home, I fired Chris Greer. He's been general manager of the Dolphins since 2016. He's gone. Because GMs right now are at college football games. They are laying their scouts. They are getting evaluations. I don't believe Chris Greer is going to be a part of this organization next year. And I don't trust him to make the evaluation of my football team. The Miami Dolphins are not making the playoffs this year. So from here until the end of the year, you are using this as an evaluation. You are using this to evaluate to a tongue of Iloa. Is he a franchise quarterback? You are using this to say, which of these receivers are we keeping? Which court, which, which defensive players are we keeping? And I don't believe Chris Greer should make that evaluation because he won't be on this team. Like I said, he's been the GM since 2016. Talent evaluation is not his strong suit and never has been. He's been with the Dolphins since 2010. He needs to go. The problem with this rebuild 
is the Miami Dolphins put a huge emphasis on the draft to build up their team, which is good. It's solid. It's logic. It's happened. It built up the Bills. It built up the Cowboys of the 90s. It's built up the Giants on their Super Bowl run. It built up the Cowboys when they got Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott in the same draft. It doesn't work with the Dolphins. Why? Because Chris Greer can't draft. That's the flaw. The the process was flawed. I think Chris Greer is fantastic at trading. I think he's fantastic at contracts setting up contracts, you know, in, in those type of situations, but he cannot evaluate talent, whether it be free agency or the draft to save his life. Now he has attempted to mitigate this by signing Reggie McKenzie and Marvin Allen to his staff, but still the scouts are still the same. The scouts have been the same for the last 10 years. And those scouts are the problem. It's not just Chris Greer, but was, I need a body after this loss. And it sends a warning shot to Brian Flores. I, I personally get rid of the scouting department to Chris Greer and the scouting department is gone. I fire Reggie McKenzie as well. I only keep Marvin Allen and I promote him to general manager for the year. And I say, Marvin Allen, you're a well-respected scout. You did great things in Buffalo. Evaluate the staff and let me know what you think. You have this year. No promises to next year, but you have this year. I want to see what your report is. Because my master plan is I want Brian Dable and I want Glenn Dorsey the, uh, the quarterback's coach from Buffalo. So I want Dable to be my head coach and Dorsey to move over also with him to become my offensive coordinator. And since Marvin Allen was in Buffalo previous to this gig, they've all three of them have worked together, similar to what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean were. You would be getting a, uh, an offensive coordinator, a coordinator, a coach, and a GM all from the same organization, so they would think the same way. And I let them make the evaluation on Tua Tungavailoa. And then for the remainder of the year, you're evaluating the staff and the players. And then next season, you have the chance to bring in your coach and coordinator and let them make the call. And it gives you a full season to evaluate to a tongue of Iloa. And that way, you have a chance to get one of three off, uh, franchise quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, potentially, if he's not in jail. And Aaron Rodgers will all be available for trade. If, if Tua is not your guy, sell the farm and get one of those three. That's my personal belief. I get rid of the, one of the coordinators as well. Like I said, I do not get rid of Brian Flores just yet because there's nobody to bring up in his place. I am not a Brian Flores supporter. I think many of these team philosophies are flawed because of him, such as being built from the outside in instead of the inside out. That is Brian Flores' fault. The lack of faith in the running game is his fault. The disregard for the center position and the disregard for veteran players is his fault. But... There's nobody else on this team to coach. But I tell Brian Flores, you're a coordinator. I'm not going to tell you which because you know who calls the plays. One of them's gone. You need to give me Gotsy, Studsville, or Fry. Monday afternoon by 4 o'clock, one of them's going to be gone. That's what I tell him. And then we go from there. I don't fire anybody else per se, but it's a big warning shot to Flores. It lets people know that we're going in a different direction next year. And Flores, we're keeping everything the same just to properly evaluate Tua. We're not even doing this for you at this point. But you turn this team around and develop Tua Tungavailoa and you get your head out of your ass and stop playing this petty bullshit and conservatively taking the ball out of his hands every chance. You're, and I would tell uh, Flores, we're not trading for Watson, sorry. Your only chance to get out of this is to develop Tua Tungavailoa. So your priority is to make sure Tua looks good. Not the defense looks good, that Tua looks good. That is the only way you keep your job. 
and that still might not be enough. Marvin Allen now controls your fate. So that's what I would personally do. Once again, just to reiterate, what I think will happen is I think one of the offensive coordinators will get fired, and that's it. I don't think anything else is going to happen, and the Deshaun Watson rumors will flare up. I don't think Watson – I understand when people say, why trade for Watson now? It's Your season's over. It's not for this season. It's for next season and the future seasons. You're doing it now because you want to bring him in but it's still not right because you have no plan to keep Brian Flores or Chris Greer, in my opinion. I think they're both going to be gone at the beginning of next season. I don't think either one survives the offseason because I think Brian Flores, if they go like nine and eight, I think Flores might keep his job. Greer, I think, is gone no matter what. But I think this is looking like a three to six win team. And we just gifted the Philadelphia Eagles a potential top five pick, similar to how we just got a top five pick from Houston the year prior. We're going to be gifting them a top five pick. And before people say it's the end of the world, big. I don't trust this regime to pick anyway. We haven't shown the draft well. Why would we want a top five pick? We're just going to piss it away and make everybody else even angrier. And we're probably going to trade that pick away for a franchise quarterback. So I would say who gives a shit? The 49ers pick's probably going to be in the teens, like the 15 to 19 range. So, you know, you're going to probably trade that pick away, whether it be for Rodgers, Watson, or Wilson. So I'd say who cares? Your only hope is to evaluate Tua Tungavailoa right now. And like I said, he didn't have an awful game. This was by no means his fault. But he hasn't shown you that he can be a franchise quarterback yet either. Fair or not fair, this is the hand you've been dealt. And I think Tua has been ruined by this coaching staff personally. I don't think he's been given a fair shake, but, you know, life isn't fair. And I feel bad for the kid. I really do feel bad for Tua. I think we need a whole fundamental change. We need to beef up our offensive line, and that should be the next focus of the next offseason, no matter who we have as our quarterback, whether it be Tua, Watson, Rodgers, no matter who it is, or a rookie quarterback again. Build the line. Get a fran- get a running back, whether it be early in the draft, in the first three rounds, whether it be in free agency, whether it be via trade, get a goddamn running back. Your play calling doesn't match your personnel. It doesn't match your personnel, and you're going to keep losing games if you don't find a way to get out of this. So that was my small rant. Um, Like I said, I'm going to be bringing Paul in, hopefully to talk about the Bills in the next segment. So, And I'll probably end up trimming this part out if he doesn't, if he does come in it. So you're just going to hear the I'll be bringing Paul on. But in case I can't get him on this week, Thank you once again to listening Geeks Who Watch Football. This is a small segment just to cover, like I said, a small glimpse of the AFC East in addition to my Dolphins rant. Thanks for everyone for listening and have a good one.